Last night I was in Oakland catching up with a few friends, reflecting on how our first jobs tend to be working in retail, customer service, working at a restaurant. And uh, even though a lot of those industries are being taken over by tech, a lot of those skills are translatable to actually break into tech. If this is your first time tuning in to the Breaking the Startups podcast, you may not know that what we do here is explain what's going on in the tech world so you can break in, level up, and get the skills to either get a job or build whatever you want to build. Last night's conversation made me actually think about the interview today with Heather Swan, who was selling shoes in retail and was able to leverage friendship and mentorship to break into enterprise sales as an account executive and level up to become one of their top reps. For those of you that don't know, enterprise sales is very lucrative where the average salary is around $120,000 base with a $120,000 OTE, uh, meaning if you hit your quota all in, you're making at least $240,000 with no cap. So the more that you sell, the more money you can make. So even though this episode is not all about money, um, several people have been have lost their jobs in retail or have have lost a lot of opportunities because of automation. And it's important to understand what opportunities continue to exist here so that you can level up. So if you're interested in enterprise sales, check out the SAS 1000 list, which is SAAS1000.com so that you can identify other enterprise startups that are hiring this way. Recognize that you won't start at that level if you're just trying to break in. You might have to start off as a SDR, which is sales development representative, and you can go to boot camps like Always Hired to learn those skills. But today we're gonna talk about a specific enterprise sales startup named Zoom. Zoom has grown very quickly to over 700,000 accounts. And this is an amazing episode where we talk about how Heather's retail sales training translated into uh, tech sales training. We talk about the relationship between sales and marketing. We go in on several other things, including uh, what it's like to live in San Jose. And and I'm really excited to to share this episode with you all. So if you want, if you're not an audio person, we are going to be dropping a video tour for you all. So please like our Facebook page so you guys can check it out. Join our community. Leave a review to let us know what you think, uh, positive or negative. We want to know what a six, seven, ten star experience is for you. And if we're not delivering that, we're not doing enough because we always want to exceed our quota. Without further ado, let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, yo, yo. This is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies, Arthur and Timor Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yes. So tonight it's 8 p.m. on a Monday night. We're uh, sitting in downtown San Jose. This is actually the first time we're down here recording interviews. And our guests don't come to us, we come to them. So we're honored to be sitting at Zoom's headquarters. 
They're a really fast growing company. And you're going to hear from our really dope guest right now. Ruben, can you please introduce the guest? Yes, sir. We're here with Heather Swan, who's not just the happiest person that I've ever met. She is Zoom's chief happiness officer. And for those of you guys that don't know, or those of you just in general who don't know what Zoom is, Zoom is a video conferencing tool that works on any device. And what's really dope about Heather, in addition to all the things that we just said, is that she's worked every single sales role within the company, consistently hits her quota. And before this, she also was a top retail seller, selling Tory Burch shoes. She sold medical devices. She's just totally dope, barrier native, San Jose. Welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. <laughs> We're excited Welcome. to be here too. I know, you know, Archer and I, you know, are really excited because we spent a lot of time Focus on the food consumer and retail industry. And given that you started in the retail, let's talk about how like how that taught you the game. Tell us about the retail space. Oh, retail. Yes. It's basically sales 101. You're dealing with different clients, customers coming in. You may have someone who's ecstatic to be there. You may have someone who's angry and you have to adapt. But you're always looking at ways to help that individual kind of meet their goals of what they came in for. And then of course, you know, you have some great sales programs where they teach you how to upsell, cross sell. But it's always about learning what they need, what they want to walk out with, and how to make their experience enjoyable. So you can really turn it around even if they come in with maybe a more sour attitude. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I know that for the people that are selling shoes on that level, it takes a lot to even get into that type of role. So how did you even get to that level in the retail space? Yeah, I was actually working at a a different women's retailer prior. And then I just decided I wanted a, a change of clientele. So went to, I actually thought Tory Burch was a great brand. I loved what they were doing. They're kind of changing their kind of market strategy in general. And I love that it was, you know, founded by a woman. So went over there, got hired, and then they had great sales training. So kind of took what I learned from the previous company, adapted it and brought it over there. Yeah. And we're about to jump, uh, we're going to jump in into the tech sales in a bit. But for those listening, can you just give us a bit of a um, like rundown? What does the, the sales training look like? went in retail and what kind of things do you learn? Yeah. So I forget the acronym now, but whatever they come in for. So say they come in for pants, right? They hand you a pair of pants. Hey, I want these jeans. Well, so for me, it wouldn't stop there, right? I'd bring them to other jeans, maybe one in a darker color, one in a similar color. I'd grab them a top to pair it with a jacket. You'd bring in the accessories. You'd bring in the shoes and give them a couple different options. So it didn't just stop there, right? They have to visualize. They have to have the whole picture. And I mean, while, you know, I'm running around hustling, you know, shoeboxes, but, you know, it's looking at the whole picture, right? People need to visualize, they need to have the understanding. And usually that's how you get that upsell as well. You're offering them different things where they said, oh, I never thought I'd like this top or actually so you're I do. You're selling like them it. the dream. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Gotta look good. Gotta you look gotta good while you're how the pants, pants fit with everything else. <laughs> I, I love the personal shopping experience. I walk in there thinking I'm just going to get pants. I walk out with a whole suit. Mm-hmm. Clienteling. <laughs> Clienteling was a huge thing. You'd identify with a customer if you would develop that rapport. We would always capture their information and follow up with them. Hey, Susie, I got this in X, Y, and Z. It kind of goes back to prospecting, reaching out, making sure you're proactive in the sales cycle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. And so you had a unique story about how you went from, you know, cutting your teeth within the retail space and moving into the tech space. How did all of that work out? Did you meet a customer? Or what was that like? Yeah, I was wanting to get into tech. I mean, that's, you know, this area, it's known for that, right? Something my father did for 30 years. All my sisters are now in tech. Shout out to dad. <laughs> so. I was very interested. My sister was actually at uh, Polycom. So they also do video collaboration, audio collaboration. 
and I decided to apply there. So started doing that. They lost their headcount. So then I actually, that's when I had the opportunity to go and do medical sales. So anything from tongue depressors to clinical tables, but. It was like a blessing in disguise. It was because you, you know, working with doctors, working in the healthcare space, allowing you to kind of have those conversations. It teaches you that there's different styles to everything and there's different Mm -hmm. things that, you know, different organizations value more than others. So you have to kind of adapt and, and be flexible in your approach. Yeah. My father's an oncologist. He tells me a lot of times, you know, the sales reps sound like doctors themselves. So like you, you have to not just understand the product that you're selling. You got to understand something about medicine as well. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so then you did that for a while. Then how did you, what happened after that? Uh, so the, the director actually reached back out. We had a conversation. I jokingly told him, you know, don't break my heart twice. Uh, <laughs> so I got hired the second time and he was, you know, there was a girlfriend I was working with at Tory Burch. We were hiring at Polycom. He said, do you know anybody? And I thought of her immediately. She was one, you know, running around. If I was running around with 10, you know, shoe boxes, she was running around with 15. Wow. So she brought me over or I brought her over to Polycom. And then now she actually was the one who led me over to Zoom. So you kept yeah. up with the family, with your sister, your father, and then your friends. So it's all. It's all tied together. Yeah. And now, yeah, her and I have worked at three jobs together. So we like to think that we're lifers. That's and, really cool. and for anyone listening who's in retail now and might be considering tech or considering sales. Make the jump. Yeah, make the jump. There's a lot of, if you're good at relating with people and you understand people's needs and how to relate to them, these skills are crucial to like big company sales. So it sounds like you were successfully able to like take that and translate it to find a cool high growth startup. And then that brought you over to Zoom. And recognize that like, yeah. you know, even though you might not get that first tech job, while you're trying to get the tech job, you can cut your teeth selling anything really, and that those skills are translatable into everything else. And there's different types of training. So yeah, and uh, it sounds like so far the jobs that you got, you've kind of worked the relationship angle, and you were able to get either you brought your friend over, and then your friend brought you over to Zoom. Can you just go a little bit deeper into like what helped you, like when you're at a job or like when you look for people to bring over to companies, what are those skills or what are those qualities that you look for in your friends that you know makes them a good salesperson? Yeah, I'd be lying if I, I didn't say it took a lot of hard work. So some very, very early mornings and very long days and you know into the night. And even still, I was doing international recently. So I was working all hours. But yeah, it comes down to relationships, right? So it comes down to having a very professional and kind of easy work relationship with someone. So her and I, we both had a similar passion, a similar drive. We grinded, her and I. So we were in there, you know, 6 a.m. together, working until 6 p.m., trying to hit our numbers, exceed our numbers. We weren't okay with the status quo. 100% was never okay. And we wouldn't compete against each other, but we kind of always kind of helped each other reach that next level. We knew we could do better and we would push each other. She encouraged me when she came over to Zoom, told me to get, you know, over there right away. I reached out to actually Daniel, who you guys have spoken with, mm-hmm. Daniel Berrigan. And I reached out to him on LinkedIn. I sent him a LinkedIn message and I said, hey, can I have, you know, can I buy you a coffee? And so we actually sat down. I said, you know, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but we ended up talking for an hour and a half, two hours. And we were able to talk about everything. We were able to establish kind of that common ground, saw the similar bloodline in him that we were very passionate, very hungry. And we weren't okay with the status quo. And I'm okay with working alongside someone like that. Yeah. And like a true salesman, you didn't just say, hey, I already have a friend on the inside. So I'm just going to count on that to come through and get me a job. You actually did your research. You found another salesperson within the company and then you turned Daniel into your advocate. So now you you build up this T 
team of people who will root for you. And I think that's a very important point because a lot of our listeners, you might have a friend who's in tech and they might refer you. But at the end of the day, there's hiring managers who make decisions. And the hiring managers will look to not just one person on the team, but like four or five people on the team to make that decision. So if you can kind of work that angle too, if you can reach out to people on LinkedIn, identify them, then it'll be a sure way of you getting in. And one of the things that I think that Daniel said is that he actually appreciated you taking the time to reach out to him. Can you just talk more a little bit more about like what that conversation was like and what types of things did you want to find out from Daniel in that meeting? Yeah, I wanted to learn more about his background, how he came to Zoom, mm-hmm. what's been making him successful, where the company is at. He jumped in with both feet very, very early on. So he was able to have that vision for the company that him and Eric and, and the other leadership Zoom at the time had. So not being able to see, you know, what's right in front of you, which didn't look like much. We didn't have a marketing team. We didn't have various teams there to support a training team, anything like that. But being able to see into the future, see that there was a great product at our fingertips, being able to see that there was great leadership there to take you there. And they had that vision and have brought Zoom to where it is today, which has been exponential growth. Yeah. Speaking of great leadership, I think your VP of sales is Greg, right? Yes. Can you give the description that you gave us in the beginning about the way that he leads? Yeah. Greg is someone you would follow him through the fire for and he'll absolutely get you to the other side safe and sound. That's awesome. um, yeah. He's someone that you'll always want to follow. He leads in such an amazing manner that just genuine, humble, but he's passionate about what he does. He loves what he does. And you have an entire right now, roughly a 250 person sales force that's leading you know, in trenches with him and we love it. What, walk us through the day to day for when you started here at Zoom to like what it looks like typically for people now. Uh, yeah. When I got here, you had to be very proactive. So we didn't have any of the resources, anything like that. We did have a site and, it, you know, if you had to find some things, you could try and go to our support site. We had and still do actually very easy access to our engineers. Right now we have the right teams and support systems in place, but that wasn't there back then. So the brand recognition, anything like that, you really had to drive the value of the Zoom platform through Eric's story, through Eric's expertise uh, and the engineers who built it. Can you walk through the sales tech stack? So like, you know, Salesforce, like what kind of tool outreach, like what tools do you guys use on a day-to-day basis that makes you all successful? Yeah. Salesforce. Well, we actually use Zoom. I mean, again, that's how we're connecting with our customers using things like RingCentral that are partner with us, utilizing our web collaboration as well. Outreach, we're starting to utilize, yeah, more of back then it was, you know, different programs, whatever we could get. We would kind of do a top down and kind of I don't think spray and pray is the right term, but, (laughs) um, you know, we would try and do as many email blasts as we can. Anyone to get, you know, that click rate through to open up your email and then, you know, taking that user who, and, you know, open up that email, contacting them, reaching out to them, and then also being strategic, utilizing LinkedIn, utilizing sales navigator, coming from the top end, going more from a strategic level with an executive or something like that, looking for any, you know, shared connections and using those as well as a way to, to gain entry. Yeah. Yeah. And so like you also mentioned just like like being a chief happiness officer that cares about culture and like warmth and personal touches. You guys do a good job of like personalizing messages and recognizing when people do different things in your customer base or that are potentially exploring your site. Like what kind of tools do you guys use to monitor like when someone like might open an email or something like that for you to be able to give them a personal touch? Yeah, our marketing team has done a really great job on that. So they're watching and analyzing a lot of the data. Janine Pelosi. Shout out to Janine. Yeah, who's our head of marketing. Her team is very data driven. So they're always watching, monitoring ways, looking at things, banner ads, 
different ways to, again, capture attention and capture more clients. Through Salesforce, through different campaigns and programs, uh, we get a notified as a sales rep. So I'll get a lead through SFTC, mm-hmm. Salesforce. Yep, there you go. <laughs> so I'll get a lead through Salesforce. And I, I'm, again, going back to those hustle grinding. Um, if it was me, I would want to be contacted. So I don't care if it's a white paper. I don't care if it was a contact sales, if it was you know, someone going to our webinar and attending one of our webinars or not attending our webinars. I'll still reach out. I'll ask them what they're looking to do, their use cases. I really want to understand from their perspective, whether it's individual personal use, team use, company use, and really what's driving them to look into Zoom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to your sales team, now that you've had this experience working for Zoom, I'm sure you're now at a point where you interview other folks who are joining the team. So what advice do you have for our listeners and what are those things that you look for in a candidate that you think will be able to become a successful salesperson? Yeah, I think you, you get a spectrum of age ranges. And so I think my biggest thing is I don't care if you're you know 19 and I don't care if you're 65. I want to see that you have that student mentality, that you're a sponge. You're willing to come in and even though you, know, you may have certain habits or routines, that worked at your previous job, they might not work here. So you have that flexibility, that adaptability to be able to come in, learn, you know, maybe even humble yourself a little bit. Some people were, you know, giants at their last company and Zoom, it it takes a different approach and a different adaption. So those kind of people who are hungry for it, they're passionate. The biggest thing, of course, for me, I'm a little biased, is the cultural aspect. I've had the, been fortunate to interview just widely successful salespeople. But from a cultural standpoint, you can really start to identify who the right and wrong people are really quickly. And that's another thing that was maybe a a tough learning lesson way back in my interviewing days was I might not just have been a good cultural fit. And you have to kind of respect that, that you wouldn't want to be in that environment just as you want them. They want you. Right. So keeping that mindset. But you also want to make sure you're joining a company that you're going to love. What are some examples of someone who might not be a good culture fit? Because I know some people might just give off the vibe. So I think it will be useful for them to hear what types of vibes kind of raise the red flags in your mind. Yeah. And there are some companies that use that as an excuse as well to exclude people, but that's mm-hmm. a whole nother conversation. Okay. <laughs> we can go to back to that. Kind of one of Eric's things is you can always do that last extra step to deliver happiness. If that's, you know, just getting out that last email to that customer who had a question at 5 p.m. on Friday and you're trying to get out the door, just go that extra mile. So doing anything you can there, you know, making sure that you get to that lead as quickly as possible, making sure you reach out to that customer. Don't, you know, have, you know, their, your 19th email string, calling that customer, having that touch, getting on a video call. There's a lot to be said about video conferencing. The nonverbal communication is so huge that that's where you can get on a Zoom call and really see if you're delivering happiness. So, Yeah. You just said something about touches and you learn some things as an SDR. You said something like seven touches before it turns into a meeting or what was it? Not that much usually actually now at Zoom. When we, when we get to, when uh, at my previous companies, we were trying to do seven touches. You would call, you would email, and then you kind of wait a day. And then, you, excuse me, you wait a day, then two calls, two emails, then you wait two days, you know, do that. So Was it on average you took seven touches or after the seventh one, you would kind of, I don't know, have a call to action or like an ultimatum or something like that? Yeah, usually after the seventh touch, if there hasn't been a response back, you can move it into nurture. But th- that was at a previous company. What... And to this day, it still sticks with me. One of my, my first day at Zoom, when I finally actually got thrown on the calls pretty early, so I shouldn't say finally, uh-huh. kind of got thrown in being so early. But um, when I got on the call, 
and reaching out and this lady had signed up for a license. And so we get notified anytime someone signs up for a license. So I gave her a call. And at my last or previous company, you kind of were, you didn't know what you were going to get. So I called her and I said, Hey, this is Heather with Zoom. And she said, Who? I said, I'm sorry, this is Heather with Zoom. She goes, Zoom. Oh my gosh, I love Zoom. And she immediately just kind of breaks out into this whole story about how she's trying to do online learning and, you know, her cat likes to steal the spotlight and they'll sit on her keyboard. And it's just kind of being able to have that human touch and deliver happiness in that way. You get to hear what they're doing here, kind of how they're utilizing Zoom. And it just changes the way you have that conversation. It's it's no longer someone on the other end of the line. It's really someone who you can identify with. Yeah. And, and speaking of nonverbal communication, I want to talk about two things where does it apply to only people that are in field sales or inside sales? And then also from what I understand, and some people say this is a myth or not, they say that, you know, body language is like 55% of nonverbal communication, tone of voice is 38%, and then words are like 7% of communication. Is that something that you agree with? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had sales training. It's very hard even like sitting in here not to be animated. So you're used to being on video. There's a couple of things very early on, you know, you had to rule out doing your, you know, your eyebrow raise or your head tilt on certain things, but um, you can get very excited about it. And the more you kind of get animated with someone, you can start to see their excitement. They build off of that. And that's what makes Zoom so fun. You're really, it just feels like you're right across the table with someone, even though you're using our video conferencing tool. So you just kind of feel that energy and, and kind of feel like you're right there. Oh, so like your inside sales team will set up face to faces with the clients. So then you, that, that nonverbal communication is going to play a big factor. Is that what you're saying? So we don't, I mean, we rarely go on site or go on to client visits. Um, everything's through our web conferencing, video conferencing tool. Since video is at the forefront, you feel like you're sitting right there. Yeah. So I would say when people ask, oh, it's, it's probably 95% via Zoom. And that's exactly the driving force. You don't have to spend hours in traffic. You don't mm-hmm. have to yeah. battle uh, public <laughs> transportation. You don't have to do any of that. With Zoom, you click the link and it just works. So people are saving time, money, energy on you know travels, uh, different processes because they're able to utilize Zoom. To do you ever have your uh, sales call like on a Caltrain when there's like bad Absolutely. reception and you're like, You see, like, we're still uh, seeing each other. Yeah. The power of Zoom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I actually, one of my favorite stories. So since I was one of our global enterprise account executives, I had a client in India. I was sitting in the airport terminal because of a layover. He was getting in a taxi and we were able to still conduct a successful Zoom meeting with great quality, even though I'm sitting in an airport and he's getting in a taxi cab. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and speaking of sales training. I do want to give a shout out to, to I think, Frank Tradidi. Is that his yes, name? Yes, Frank yeah. the Tank. Tell us about this legendary figure. Frank is Zoom's secret weapon. This man just came off of doing our new, a week-long new hire training, our sales kickoff, which, I mean, you should see it. Our sales kickoff way back when was, you know, we could fit in the small room. Now it's, you know, so many people, I think over, yeah, 250. But, um, and then he went into manager training. So Frank has been amazing. He's actually on the happiness side um, with one of my initiatives was a mentor program and he's been vital in executing and, and seeing that out. So people come out of our new hire training, they're hugging on their way as they're leaving wow. to the airport. They're energized, all kind of throw a trick question in the elevator on the way up and, you know, hey, you know, really tired from training, huh? No, no, Frank makes it go really fast. So, <laughs> you know, we were very, very lucky to have him. He's made our training amazing and people come out at new hire with the right cultural attitude and the right sales drive. Wow, sounds like a revival and that you guys really invest in your people. I'm definitely going to tell my cousin and a few other people about you guys. 
What do we expect from Zoom over the next few years? Or what should we expect? Yeah, so I mentioned I used to be a global enterprise account executive. So I was doing the chief happiness thing. I was doing, you know, carrying a sales quota. I recently moved into uh, strategic alliances. So something I'm really excited oh, to you see. Do everything. <laughs> <laughs> Probably from a biased opinion. I'm excited to see the partnerships that come out of it. We have several in place already, you know, ones with Ring Central and Polycom, things like that. But I'm excited to see the innovation, the artificial intelligence, things like that, mm-hmm. where we can really take video collaboration. A client I recently brought on, they're doing almost a larger floor to ceiling video wall. Wow. Uh, so you could walk up and it's almost like you're walking into our Denver office, even though it's a That's video screen. That's epic. Yeah. That's really dope. And speaking of the fact that you're doing all these jobs at the same time, how does one manage that on a day-to-day basis from a calendar perspective? <laughs> Break it down for us. I want to learn. Well, she's with us at eight o'clock now, so <laughs> and she's still laughing. Yeah, wow, oh, that's yeah. good. I love being here. <laughs> How do I manage it? I think there's just a balance to it, right? So I really enjoy the sales aspect. I enjoy getting on client calls and doing client demos, and again, learning about those use cases. I think anyone is a conversation that you can then have with another client and say, "Hey, this company is doing this. Have you ever considered it?" And you can apply it over. Sales can be stressful, so. That kind of transition is when I can tend to pivot over to the happiness role. I have an amazing team. So I have about 25 reps that on top of their sales jobs or other jobs, um, technical support, customer success, they have actually volunteered their time to help execute on different programs. So I have extensions in each of our remote offices that help execute on the different happiness programs. So if I just kind of need a a little de-stress, I'll kind of switch to that or switch back. So I try and manage it in that way. Yeah, that's really dope. And we talk about this a lot, but we're really glad that you came on the podcast because we always say that the media gives the founders of startups a lot of press, a lot of publicity, but then it's stories like yours, someone who is working in, in behind the scenes, who is making it happen. Is Those are the type of stories you want to highlight because you've done all kinds of roles for Zoom and you're just like excited to come in every day, excited to make the company grow. So, And it's also really exciting to hear like, the story of yeah, the, the founder from the employer perspective, I mean, employee perspective, and then also just like the company growth, like kind of like how I built this, but like backwards, like internally from the employee perspective, which yeah. is dope. Yeah. yeah. And you made your story sound very relatable. So with that said, we're going to jump into the lightning round. <laughs> and this is where uh, the three of us will ask you several questions. We're looking for answers that have strategies, anything actionable, like tactics or resources that you've used to get to where you are today? Yeah. So this question will take it back to the basics. So imagine you just moved to a brand new city, you don't know anyone, and you're starting from the beginning and you only have $100. So what would you do and how would you get back on your feet by spending that $100? So I'm in a new city and I'm trying to navigate through. So you're in a new city and you're trying to break into a startup, let's assume. Let's also assume that food and shelter are taken care of. So you have that $100 and you're trying to break into tech. Like, what would you do and how would you spend that $100? I'd probably go back to LinkedIn, figure out a, a job, do some research, right? So I'll probably spend some, you know, nickels or dimes if I have to pay for some internet connection, find yeah. a library, do some research there, you know, find a company that I would really actually feel myself excited to be a part of, something mm-hmm. that they're doing. I think people get very passionate in Silicon Valley because we feel like we're resolving a lot of you know, issues or or day-to-day challenges that people run into, right? So I'd want to get involved with something like that, definitely. Uh, Find something that I'm passionate, I would enjoy. Find someone on LinkedIn that I feel like I could identify with. 
you know, there's things that you can take, you can take their name and move it over to Facebook. And sometimes that's been ways where you can, you know, better connect with a client. Hey, I saw you saw, you know, all James Bond movies, you know, I plan to Mm -hmm. go to the museum in London, things like that. And so, you know, using the money to maybe again, sit down, grab a cup of coffee, grab food. There's something to be said about even just, you know, whether something comes of it or not, Mm -hmm. you now have a connection in that city. Right. So I love meeting people. Yeah. 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 Great answer. So speaking of cities, and the fact that you all are hiring a lot of sales reps out here. You know, we moved to San Francisco when we got out here and we're thinking about where we want to open up our next office or our office. So should we explore, you know, why would we consider San Jose versus Oakland or San Francisco? We're very lucky. We're right in downtown San Jose. So if you need, you know, to go walk and, and do a lap for coffee, you can get a little uh, fresh air. We have a park right uh, near us where we went out and actually did a company picnic uh, back in June. We also have, you know, the happy hour location. So several places have been very nice and hospitable to host us. But there's also different things. Last weekend was a jazz festival down here. So we've been, we've been great. We have great offices though. So we also have Denver, Kansas, Santa Barbara, London, Australia. Um, So yeah, we've been growing quickly, but each has their own kind of subculture and it's great. You know, Denver is active and they're out and they're hiking and they're whitewater rafting and Santa Barbara, they're out by the beach. And, you know, so each one has a great vibe. You just got to kind of embrace the culture that develops out of those locations. It's a vibe. And it's, it's not just about Silicon Valley, which is cool. So you guys are national. Like, what's the cost of living like out here? I'm, I'm fascinated by San Jose. <laughs> it's a little painful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like versus San Francisco, is it um, apples kinda, to apples? Kind of similar. I would say, of course, San Francisco is always a little bit more expensive. I think you pay for more of the somewhat proximity. Okay. Yeah, but here it's, yeah. it's pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. Hurts, hurts the wallet a little bit. Although I, yeah. do, I did hear that the rents kind of slow down in terms of right, going up every single month. So I think it's uh, been pretty Where? stable. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what did you read place. this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the next question that we'd like to ask, it's more about giving advice to your younger, to your younger self. So take us back to your first job. If you're 19 or 18 again, working in retail, what advice would you have for yourself? More proactive on the connections. I think something that I admire about the colleague that helped get me to Zoom was she was just great at clienteling. And that transfers in. Her name is Moshkan Tufan, or people call her Mo or Moosh. So here we have have a lot of nicknames at Zoom. So yeah, she was really great about that. So she was actually, and the place that we worked was Palo Alto. So you Mm. were dealing with people who would actually come in in the t-shirt and jeans but they would be, you know, a COO or CEO. You just didn't know who was walking through those doors. And that was kind of another thing is you just never know who you're dealing with, mm-hmm. whether you get a lead for a Gmail or you have someone walking in a t-shirt. But um, she was really good at maintaining those relationships, making sure that she identified with that client or customer and was proactive about getting their information and following up. So treat everybody with respect. And Absolutely. follow up. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, smile. Deliver happiness any way you can. And happiness is subjective, right? It could be you know, just making sure someone's okay. Hey, I noticed you, you seemed a little off today. Everything okay. Just kind of taking those few extra seconds. The smiling when you talk over the phone make a big difference. Absolutely. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and when you're on demos in front, you know, on video yeah. and all of that. So you <laughs> cool. definitely should be smiling. All right. What's the best way to stay in touch with you? I like the LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. That's um, easy. If you, if you ever want to grab coffee, have a conversation, visit our headquarters. We love having people visit us. She um, gave you all the playbook. Yeah. 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 Take her up on it. Yeah. Don't sleep. All awesome. Right. Thanks well, for it was great having you. Thank you. Great to be here. Thanks We're guys. also going to be releasing the campus tour so you can actually see how they're giving the tour. So definitely tune in. Yep. Yep. Peace. Awesome. Awesome.
Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in. Let's break in.